Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Usha Tulevi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Here we go. Once again, this is Usha Tulebi. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen. And now I have a really a special guest, a guy who lives very high up north in Alta, one of the legends. He has 13 states win uh, in Visma Ski Classics, certainly a Hall of Famer, our legend, one of the greatest long distance skiers ever. And this guy is actually doing sort of a comeback this coming winter. He will do much longer wearing uh, Italian team colors. And we are talking about Peter Eliasen. Good to have you on our show, Peter. Uh, how's life up north in Alta? Oh, thank you, Tim. Uh, well, uh, life is uh, good. <laughs> it's a completely different uh lifestyle now with um, full-time work and uh, some studying uh, and uh, also the family uh, of course uh, so it's uh, the training is not in the first row anymore <laughs> so uh, but uh, still I train a little bit also and uh, now with the uh, Bruno's team uh, uh, asking me to go march along I, uh, I have some uh, goal that I can train for so that's nice so you just mentioned that you're working and your family life is fulfilling your days. I know that you just got back from work. Tell us about your work a little bit right now. Well, it's uh, I'm working as a physiotherapist in a rehab center and also in a hospital um, in Alta. Um, so I'm mainly doing uh, rehabilitation training for uh, patients that have been uh, gone through knee and hip surgery and also uh, some stroke patients and um, in the hospital I'm training uh, people are trying to get them out of the bed and uh, <laughs> in a little bit better shape so they can go home as fast as possible so um, it's not so uh, very uh, hard training but uh, still it's some kind of exercise so do, pe uh, do people recognize you there at your workplace, yeah, some of them do. Uh, they, uh, some of them uh, are uh, fan of ski classics, and uh, they see, uh, they say to me that they have been watching uh, all the races and that they uh, can recognize me. So, I think it's uh, nice to hear both that uh, they appreciate uh, my skiing and also that they like ski classics and uh, the long distance skiing on television. So how did it feel when you stopped skiing? I mean, you did it before, actually, and then you came back. But this time, you know, this is second time around that you quit. Uh, but then kind of finally leave everything behind. Was it as emotional as the, you know, the previous time? Because I remember after Ulas Levy, you were like in, in tears. But well, I guess this time you kind of, you were more comfortable with <laughs> with um, you quitting. Yeah. I was, it, it hasn't been any tears this time. Uh, I don't know why... It felt more nat naturally to to quit this time. Uh, last time I had to do it because I had to uh, take some uh, education, finish my education, and uh, 
but now it was uh, mainly because of family issues and also that uh, the season and the, the body was not responding to the training and uh, yeah, I was I felt I had to take a take a break and uh, both to take care of my family and also to take care of the the health so so it was um, it, it was a little bit easier but uh, of course I'm uh, missing the the competition and the the training uh, yeah the focus on preparing and everything it's um, something that I miss. Uh, some days, but uh, other days it's uh, nice to not not uh, it's being uh, not being an athlete. So, yeah. But uh, since you're doing much along uh, this coming winter, you must have been training somewhat, you know, a lot, and at least you know go go out there every once in a while. <laughs> hey, well, uh, yeah, I had uh, I just. Um, I have not been training so much uh, since uh, I I uh, skied the last race in Oire. I It's only the short workouts, not longer than one hour. Uh, and I felt my, my body was not responding. It had to take uh, some more rest. And, uh, and I was not uh, feeling for uh, long sessions and uh, workouts. So... But uh, it's, yeah, so it, I continue with the short workouts, uh, back and forth to to work, boulder skiing, uh, twelve kilometers each way, uh, and also some strength training and uh, and uh, using. Um, I have a training room uh, in my house or nearby, so I'm using the the roller ski meal and uh, also some uh, uh, double poling uh, skier skierg. So, um, but it's it not it's not uh, so much training anymore. Uh, I hope to take some uh, ski, sk longer ski workouts uh, now that the winter is coming. So, we'll see. <laughs> How intensive are those sessions then? If they're short, I assume that you keep a good pace then. Oh uh, well, it could be like uh, when I come home. Uh, if I'm doing this indoor training, I can, for example, do. 30 minutes with the skier and 30 minutes with strength or I can do 10 minutes warm up or and two or three uh, times 10 minute uh, threshold on skier or roller ski mill and then go over to strength and do uh, 30 minutes with strength training with the upper body or strength mostly so yeah it's just uh, routine uh, training. <laughs> but how much do you really feel it? Kind of the decline in your shape. You know, I mean, you you finished skiing this after ORFS Lopez. I mean, it's not that far away still. And, and after that, or before that, actually, you trained so much that you have a and the workload's been so high that you still kind of in a good shape. But now, when you go out there training, do you do these uh, short sessions? Do you feel that? Then nah, it's I'm not at the same shape, or does it still feel kind of good? It still feels uh, okay, uh, not, not uh, as good as before. But uh, I don't know if you can uh, use the the skier as a comparison. I maybe a few seconds slower. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, 
if you do a race, you uh, you get some more answers. And I've been I've, I have not competed uh, since uh, Ore, uh, so um, I guess the short work the short workouts with threshold and uh, strength don't give the the biggest answers. <laughs> so what are you expecting to achieve at Macha Longa? Is it, you're just gonna do it for fun? Yeah, mostly for fun. I hope to. Um, that I can ski in a in a group and uh, have some okay pace and and uh, that my energy is uh, lasting the whole race that I not uh, go too hard or uh, yeah so uh, hopefully I don't I I'm not setting me any um, result goals or uh, time goals but uh, that have to have an okay feeling and a okay experience hopefully a good experience. <laughs> That I can then enjoy racing, uh, and uh, yeah, that's my my purpose. And if that happens, if you feel good, and, and are you open to do more? I think you said in an in an interview that you are willing to do more if it feels good, uh, even uh, this coming winter. Yeah, I said uh, maybe one or two more races. So um, we will see if uh, Bruno <laughs> want to have me on uh, some more races. Uh, even I, if I'm not uh, doing uh, the the best results, if we're, we'll see. Um, it's a lot of nice races and Birkenbein uh, Arena. I could. Uh, it could be fun to race Birken or uh, race Talup, uh, maybe. Villaslevi. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I have to be <laughs> be in an okay shape and I have. Uh, yeah, I take uh, one one race at a time. <laughs> And it also has has to feel uh, really good, you know, just to see, you know, the, the old friends and the kind of the family around you, just to come back for that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's uh, it's like a second family, the the ski the skiing uh, family, and also Ski Classics is a, it's a big community with uh, a lot of people. That it, it's nice to see them again, I guess. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Indeed, you are, and I think next we should talk about that. Yeah, your career, Bismarck Ski Classics, and also your skiing career before Bismarck Ski, Ski Classics. You also participated in uh, in two uh, World Championships as well, and World Cup, and so forth. So let's go there. Let's walk down memory lane a bit. So that'll be next for us. So Peter, if we go back uh, and look back in your life and particularly skiing uh, skiing part of it and uh, you started skiing in about 2004 or something like that correct way back uh, and then uh, 2011 uh, and uh, 2011 and 2013 those were the years when you uh, took part in uh, the world championships and uh, you did 50k Mass start, you were actually 11th uh, 2011 and 14th at 2013. And also 2011, you did 15K individual race. And if I remember correctly, your best World Cup place is fourth, but that was skating, correct? Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. It was in Holmenkollen in uh, 2013. So you were actually a good skater. Well, uh, maybe skating was uh, my best... Uh, discipline uh, in skiing so um, yeah, I like to skate and uh, <laughs> did a lot of lot of skating 
And then what about these world championships? You know, what are kind of your memories from those? They're pretty good results. I mean, you're close there to to uh, top top ten. Yes, it was. Uh, I think uh, my best memories was from Holmenkollen, the world championships on home ground, and uh, and the crowd was amazing. It was uh, packed with the people, and they were cheering everybody. And you get uh, goosebumps when you just skiing around, uh, warming up. You get uh, you get a wave, <laughs> people uh, giving you the wave, and you you felt uh, really uh, appreciated uh, as a just being there skiing so it was fantastic but uh, I was a little bit unlucky I had a, uh, I fell the last kilometer um, so I maybe could be in a few places higher but uh, still it was a great uh, experience to be in uh, in Holmenkollen it it always was uh, a nice place to ski with all the the spectators Indeed, and that was the year uh, in, in a 15 kilometer race. That was the year when Matti Heikinen uh, yeah. won, correct? Yeah. And, and you were 15th in the race. Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, he was yeah. uh, world champion in 15 classic. It was a great were tough, tough conditions, correct? If, if I remember correctly, like oh, wet conditions uh, okay. or uh, no, maybe a little bit difficult to, to get perfect skis, but uh, there was some uh, some. Um, Speed differences between, uh, I think, not every country had the best uh, skis, but uh, I think it was quite easy to ski. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the year when the Finnish team had a really good skis because Matti won, uh, I think, pretty much all four skiers. I think they were in the top 18. Yeah. So uh, that was a good year for, for us, of course. But, yeah, but you Malm was uh, waxing their skis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we, know, uh, we know his magic touch. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then t- 2015, that was your first year then um, – in Visma Ski Classics. So how did this transition happen to you? And because you had a pretty good career there uh, in sort of standard distances uh, as a World Cup skier and you liked skating. When and how and why did you want to move from from this just standard well, distances to long distance? That was a natural uh, choice because uh, I, I lost my, um, my uh, place on the national team. Uh, and uh, I remember I had a talk with uh, with Team Lee's plan. Uh, Thomas Altskoy asked me if I want to to ski with their team um, up from the 2014. And I was supposed to ski Birkebenerene, but it was cancelled because of strong winds. And uh, so I didn't get to try the, the long-distance skiing before the next season. But um, I was either I was going to quit or I was going to try the long distance racing so i remember i had some uh, chat with the different the people uh, friends and family and uh, back and forth and uh, and I, then i chose to to try and uh, yeah it was uh, it, it uh, appealed that it was uh, really nice uh, to ski the the long distance for me and uh, yeah so i was uh, I was really happy that I chose to try the ski classics. And it was a good year for you. You actually won König Ludwig Lauf, Vasa Loppet, Birke Benerinet and Orefes Loppet that, that year. And you started out 
at uh, Scambeda, you were seventh there. Then Giselle Scaparesatka already second, and then La Diego Nella fifth, and Majalonga seventh, and then all those victories. Um, but how did it really feel? I mean, coming from from the the other, kind of the other world and being a skater, that was some your tech the technique that you liked uh, quite a lot, and then suddenly you just had to double pole. Yeah, that that was. Um... Some motivation in uh, in trying the double polling. Uh, Try to double pole every race. I remember before the season, I had uh, set me a goal that I wanted to to try going without kick wax. In uh, but still, I raced the first one with the kick wax, and um, and uh, I could see that it was uh, much faster with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, no kick wax. Um, well, it was. I I felt uh, it was some different coming in uh, new new teammates and new tra- training training more extreme maybe and more um, more narrow uh, focus. Uh, it was easier to to feel the progression in in the training and uh, and I had some good uh, really good uh, training camps with the team. Uh, remember the summer and the and the fall and. Um, so it was really uh, many things that was working uh, together that uh, played out to be to be very uh, s- successful for me. <laughs> so so and uh, I had no expectation b- before the season and uh, sh- low the shoulders were low and just skiing and uh, being offensive. So it seemed that it was uh, easier to to get uh, good results being offensive in in the long distance i don't know why but i felt i i tried in the the normal uh, world cup and it was not easy for me to to succeed in the in the world cup i felt i had too too little pace uh, i don't know i i was lacking some some uh, qualities so but in the long distance skiing with more steady pace and so when uh, I could uh, get more use of my um, my strengths, so yeah, that suited you pretty well, and you've always been very offensive. Uh, and it seems to me that you adopted the the double polling technique pretty quickly. And of course, everybody knows how good you were, you know, uh, at that. But how did I mean when you, when you started doing it? Did, did you feel right away that hey, this is my my thing, this is my forte? <laughs> well, I. Um... I don't know. Well, when I tra- started to train double pulling, or I, I, th- I will, I will say we we train a lot of double pulling in the last years on the do- um, national team also, and well, it was quite a high focus. But I, some days I was really frustrated, and uh, some days I felt it that I could have maybe some um, some qualities. So, uh, but still, double pulling is. Uh, I think it could be quite mental training for me <laughs> to only double pole. So uh, I had to. I had some tough workouts where I rem- remember uh, that I was uh, almost. Yeah, uh, uh, I. I think. Oh, are you really doing this? <laughs> but then uh, it was really fun to to feel that you were stronger and you could uh, stay out for long workouts and and. And gain some confidence so but uh, I, I felt that that was it was really a hard mental uh, stra- strain to 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 take uh, do some of double, po- double polling 
So we'll talk about the training uh, uh, in more detail a little bit later on, but going back to the 2015 year, uh, the season, uh, and then you won König Ludwig Lauf and then Vasa Lopet and Birkebeine Rennet. Two big races, probably the biggest races uh, in the circuit. You won those two right away. So that must have taken you by, by surprise a bit that, hey, suddenly I'm up here. I, I won the biggest races. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, some... Uh... A big change to me because I never felt like uh, like a winner in the, the the previous years. I always been struggling for every. Uh, I wasn't doing the podium places in the World Cup, or it was hard to to get uh, to win. And but suddenly it was felt like I was winning, and uh, it was a new new feeling. And um, maybe that I have. I felt that it was really fun, but it still it was uh, maybe doing that you were more um, demanding to yourself. You 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 was expecting more and more, and you could be. After I won the the races the first season, I was at maybe I I could be a little bit a uh, little bit um, disappointed by myself if if I didn't get on the podium or was winning. So. So you get used what you perform, then you get used to it, and you, yeah, it's not it's the the first times were, were the 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 most fun uh, to win the first uh, Vasalop and Birkebeine was yeah so unexpected and and really fun. And then moving on to the next season, as you said, I mean those were kind of came by, you know, a little bit by, by surprise. But then after winning all these races, uh, going to the next season, I'd, you must have at least felt a little bit of a pressure on your shoulders that now you, you were a winner at the time. And you started the, the season pretty well. Well, actually, Scambera, uh, not maybe that well. We were 10th there. But then right after that, you says Capresatka, Diagonela, victories again. So well, 2016. Well, it was... Um, the, the next season was also quite good but uh still i was maybe i was not having the same um pre-season and uh, and also it was when, when you get used to the training you it's also maybe easy to train maybe train a little bit too hard or too the same week in and week out so i didn't feel like that i could take the the next step but maybe i was on the same level so uh, yeah, it was fun to to win the Diagonella, <laughs> and then, uh, but um, yeah, I, I didn't maybe I felt that I didn't get the the best out of the the next season that I could maybe do even better. But it was a pretty amazing season, though. I mean, then the Marcia Longa, uh, you were second, and Kaiser Maximilian Lauf, you know that uh, Austrian race. Uh, that we had in a, in a calendar in the past. Uh, you were, you won that one one again, then second Topla Cortina, then Vasalop, probably a, a great disappointment. Twenty uh, first there, and then Birken and Orefels Lopet third over there. So Vasalop there didn't really probably had a higher expectations for that. You won the previous year, and suddenly, you know. But as we know, anything can happen at Basel Lopez. So, yeah, but. Uh, I, I felt that uh, 
the second year I was struggling more with the the big races and uh, especially Vasalop. I was sick in front uh, before the week before I th I think and um, yeah, so I didn't get um, any good shape there and uh, also Marshallonga. <laughs> I I rem remember that I was uh, really disappointed by being a second. I don't know why, but. Uh, should be enjoying more the every podium place. <laughs> so, but um, oh, it's uh, it's not easy to to reproduce the the success that you have get once. It's maybe even more difficult to to reproduce it the next year. But those two seasons, uh, uh, you were the champion at 15 and 16, both of those years. Uh, even if you say that you even expected a little bit more uh, from yourself, but uh, you won the overall. Though I'm looking at the results, it's you know, it comes without saying. Uh, so, but after two years, then what were kind of going on uh, in your mind? Did you, did you then feel that okay, this is exactly what I need to be doing or what was kind of going on after two seasons when you somewhat got fam familiarized yourself, you know, with the long distance skiing? Yeah, um, I think maybe um, it was really nice to be, be in the circuit and, uh, and also to perform so well, but uh, it also became uh, quite demanding to, to keep the level uh, as high as before and uh, with the of course with family and uh, and everything um, you could feel I, I sometimes I felt that uh, maybe it was uh, too demanding to to keep doing the the professional skiing but still it was really it gave me a lot so so but I, I think uh, yeah, it, it's it's difficult to to keep the the same uh, to be in the in the zone and uh, and uh, have everything to go go uh, well and um, so I, I was struggling a little bit with uh, training and uh, maybe some days um, yeah some sickness and and so on but uh, still I, I was really eager to. <laughs> to try to be uh, on top but uh, it was it became uh, more and more difficult I, I felt <laughs> yeah was that going on I mean that kind of mentality was that in your mind you know in in the summer of 2016 because when, when we look at the, uh, the the following season 2017 I mean you're right I mean it's it wasn't as good as, as the two previous years uh, you started uh, Scambera, Scambera well, you were third, but then La Diagonella 17th, Marcellonga 10th, uh, then of course good podium places, Topla Cortina second, Isis Cabaresatka second as well, again Vasa Lopet, disappointment uh, 16th, but no victories there for, for, yeah. for, for you who probably got a little bit used to it after the two years, <laughs> got so many of those, you know, in, yeah. during the first two years, so it must have been a little bit, little bit different than, hey, suddenly I'm not winning anymore. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I felt that I couldn't. Uh, I didn't get the, the the really really good shape in the in the most important races. So that was maybe the most disappointing. Um, that also was a lot. But that year, it it was starting to uh, 
to feel like Vasalope was I, I didn't know how I could uh, <laughs> have won it uh, ever because it felt so uh, so hard to to race the Vasalope and um, yeah so uh, why I, was it so hard I, I felt like it was just uh, I was just struggling it was difficult to Oh, it felt so difficult. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, I I have two victories and uh, the the rest of the races have not been easy. So I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, e- either I do well or I don't do well at all. So Maserati is maybe the the most difficult race for me. But uh, yeah, but um, still it was. It was really fun to to race all the the races. So, but uh, I don't know. the The team was maybe not working as well as the first two years. And um, we we lost some some of the skiers and also some people in the in the support team that maybe was contributing very uh, well to the to the whole uh, performance. So. Oh, it's it's many things that could play in why uh, the performance was a little bit poorer. <laughs> but Birken, you did really well. You were second there. Uh, that was the year one. Uh, Martin Jonsrusunbu won. And actually, going back to 2015, that was a really <laughs> that cat and mouse game that you had with with uh, Sunbu there. And he had kickwags, and you were double polling, and you still you know won. And if I remember correctly, your glide wasn't even as good as Sinbu's, but still you were able to win the race. Yeah, that was really fun uh, in 2015 to beat him. Uh, but I think he he used that um, defeat as really, really motivation for him uh, to be stronger in double polling. And when he came back in 2017, uh, he was much stronger than me and I was not feeling so well so that was uh, not so it wasn't the 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 battle that i was hoping for <laughs> i was hoping to feel a little bit better and stronger than i was at that race so it was quite of a, a disappointment but well it was uh, still uh, it was fun that he used the uh, defeat uh, <laughs> to motivation for him so yeah and then uh, Orefes Lopez uh, came after Birken. You were fourth there, but then you ended that season on a high note. You won both Reistalöpe and Ullas Levi. And Ullas Levi was the one that we talked about earlier when you finished or across the finish line with the tears in your eyes, because at that time you knew that was going to be your last race, or you thought it's going to be go, it were going to be your last race. But those two races, then winning again. You must have felt a bit of a relief that finally I'm back there where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was really nice to to have those two two wins in the in the end of the season. And I I remember now that uh, I think I had trained a lot with kickwax that winter, so I felt uh, I I get uh, use of that in the Restelöpe, but I maybe felt a little bit too weak in uh, some of the other races, but. Um, Ilas Levi, then, then I certainly had a good day, and I don't know, <laughs> maybe I was a little bit lucky to to win that one, but um, still, it was really a nice way, nice way to finish uh, uh, the season. So, but it was also a little bit uh, emotional because I didn't know if I was ever going to ski 
on the professional level again and uh, I felt that it was when, when I was on a so high level it was uh, kind of uh, ah it was not so fun to quit when it was uh, when I finally get uh, the shape back again did you tell anyone about your decision because not that many people in, uh, knew about it uh, I don't remember actually uh, uh, how many people that knew <laughs> But uh, I don't like to uh, always to um, to be so much in the, in the media or tell so much what I do everything. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember that race. I was commentating it, and 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 I was kind of thinking, you know, that it was it was a really mo emotional moment, and and somehow I felt that something must be cooking and something must be happening, something that we don't know. Uh, and of course, everyone's very emotional when you win a race, but there was a little bit extra for you uh, at that time, you know, and, and of course, that explained it. Uh, but then you took a year off. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. And uh, then was it exactly, I mean, what went on in your mind? I mean, suddenly, as you said, you, you ended the reason by winning Ulas Levy and then suddenly going to a, you know, to, to a normal life, regular life, leaving skiing behind. It must have been a conflicting times. Yeah, I remember the, the, the summer after I quit, it was, I was not motivated at all to train. I was barely looking at the roller skis and, uh, it was really weird. Uh, so I guess, guess I had some kind of reaction to to quit uh, quitting as a athlete or professional. So, but then on the winter I I skied some races, but still I couldn't get the the motivation so high for at least not so much double pulling. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a little bit uh, tough year, I remember, because um, I was also uh, had to move uh, or I had to work uh, <laughs> on a different uh, town in uh, Finnmark. So it was uh, <laughs> traveling back and forth every weekend. And uh, it was not not uh, the <laughs> the thing that I wanted to do uh, to to uh, yeah, to work away with the. Uh, with my family at home and uh, me sitting a, a long some, some hours away and uh, yeah that was uh, kind of boring I remember <laughs> but I had to do it to, to fulfill uh, the education so uh, when uh, when I did that it was uh, worth it so but then uh, I was calling around uh, to hear if I could uh, if someone had the use of a physiotherapist when I was uh, coming at the end of the education but um, it was difficult to to get any to get any jobs so um, and then uh, it was uh, some uh, yeah Sigurd Granmark called me and uh, asked if I wanted to ski again so when I didn't have uh, any job in uh, on my hand and uh, I was maybe uh, longing a little bit to to ski again uh, yeah, the choice was was easy to say yes, and uh, and then I tried to to come back and uh, and ski as a professional again.
But it must have been kind of tough to go to come back uh, training wise. And if you kind of took a year off, of, you said that you did some tra- sessions and you trained, did some uh, races here and there. But still, a year is a long gap. It's a long time off. Uh, so how did you build up? Well, I I, I said to myself that um, I if it's one thing that I need to build up again, it's the it's my strength and what what's my strength that's uh, that's the um, yeah the aer- a, uh, what do you say, call it aerobic base or the 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 steady pace and the yeah the endurance the the capacity so i was not focusing i was only doing um, low intensity training and mostly double polling so i i tried to do it as simple as possible and uh, I was barely doing any strength training at all, and uh, I, I didn't think I had uh, almost any intervals be- before October, except from we, when uh, three we had some training camps with my team from August, September, and October. So uh, it was really uh, easy or uh, simple training, and uh, yeah, I just try, tried something new. <laughs> And it paid off, you know, at that time you were at the team B&Bank and uh, you guys started really well. I mean, the season was perfect for you guys. The individual prologue in Livinio 2019, that's a comeback year. You were fourth, but you guys, I mean, your team teammates were on the podium and you were fourth. So that was a great start for you guys. Yeah, sure. It was a really a nice start. So, so we, uh, we had... Um... <clears throat> Uh, that was uh, a perfect weekend, uh, but I remember I was uh, <laughs> a little bit, little bit angry on uh, Easter and after the race I said to him, why didn't you let me win? <laughs> I don't know why I said, I said you should let me win because uh, I was aiming at the yellow bib again and uh, I wanted as much points as possible, but uh, uh, five minutes later it was okay. So, uh, but um, yeah, in the end, uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't uh, manage to to take the yellow bib again. And uh, I remember remember that the season. Uh, in the end, I was a little bit disappointed, but uh, still, it it was some uh, amazing races before that. That was really fun to ski and and also in the the team. Uh, I think we had a great uh, atmosphere. Uh, we could uh, we could uh, fight, but we could still laugh and uh, and uh, train really hard. So it was uh, really fun to to ski again with the team Bernbank. And of course, the team tactics yeah, that you just mentioned probably not the same in skiing as they are in in, in cycling. But you're right about it. I mean, it's of course you were probably the one fighting for the for the yellow bib you know those points would have been very valuable for you you uh, because the next race you won you won Kaiser Maximilian Lauf uh, then and uh, La Diagonella fourth and Majalonga then uh, a victory yeah finally and, uh, there i can mention that the the Kaiser Maximilian Lauf and uh, Morten he let me go so that was a team uh, tactical then i got some help from my teammates uh, there, so so that was. Um, th- then I think Seaman was a little bit angry on Martin why he let me go. <laughs> so, it always happens. Uh, <laughs> Someone's a little, little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, someone is uh, di- always a little bit disappointed, and someone is really happy. 
that's the way of sport. <laughs> exactly. But the match alone got 2019. That that was that must have been. You know. Yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy race. Uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, uh, I remember the day before the race. We had uh, we had the team director Sigurd Granmark. He was not uh, so uh, familiar with skiing at all, but he was he more into business, and he was he was the one that got me back to by. Yeah, motivating me. So uh, he said, uh, "Okay, guys, we um, uh, every go- everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So uh, we have to try something new." <laughs> and uh, and I remember also five minutes before we was uh, going to start uh, on the race, he said to me, "Okay, Pete, just give them a hell." <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't have a plan. Uh, like that but I when uh, the start when we started out I felt good and I just pushed as hard as I could uh, without being uh, too offensive and uh, yeah it was uh, a really fun race so that was maybe one of my best best days in a in a ski track so it was really fun you pretty much held the reins in that uh, race all the way through. It was an amazing performance. But once again, Vasalopet, as you said earlier, <laughs> a bit tricky. I mean, you were 14th. So at that point, yeah. did you feel like, hmm, yeah. something's about this race that I, I mean, I won it once, but now it's like uh, a big mystery. <laughs> I, f- I really was uh, asking myself, what, what am I doing? Why is this race so heavy and I can't perform? So I think that maybe we had a training camp the week before that was maybe too too much heavy slow distance uh, training in a little bit heavy conditions and so but I don't know uh, it felt really really tough to to ski there and of course the conditions uh, all that the the years that I had felt so not so good it it had been it had been snowing and uh, so it was a kind of a slow but still heavy race to to ski so maybe that was uh, part of the reason but i i remember after the season i had i had to do some thinking about uh, what am i doing uh, preparing to this race so i was really motivated uh, for the season after to to try to do something new and and i was focusing more on the vasaloppe to at least uh, not have the the bad feeling. <laughs> I wanted a better feeling in that race, at least. And it paid dividends, but we'll talk about that soon <laughs> once we get there. But uh, uh, after Vasalope 2019, Engadin Ski Marathon, the only skating race uh, in Visma Ski, ski Classics, uh, at least so far. And, uh, and a short one. Yeah, your time was like an hour and 22 minutes, 45 seconds there. You were eighth. Which is pretty amazing, uh, considering that uh, skating wasn't really. I mean, it, it used to be a good, really good. At least skating was something that you liked very much. And you, uh, as we uh, established, you know, you had your best World Cup um, result, you know, in, in a skating race. But I assume you you hadn't done that much skating because the focus always been on on double polling. And still, you were eight there in a short race. Yeah, that was uh, that was also a fun race. We. We just came down the day before and uh, we raced uh, and it went better than I had thought. So, but I, I was quite offensive in the start and uh, tried to keep the pace high to get uh, 
because it's a really easy profile on the race but and it was also fast conditions like you said and um, but then i could feel uh, maybe the last half of the race that i my my balance was not so good that is that it used to be and uh, also my uh, my legs was not uh, so strong so when the the pace uh, went up i just felt like a stone in the gravity field <laughs> on the in the last kilometers there so but, but do you think that uh, we should have more skating races in Bisma ski classics or was this just a good good uh, trial but it's a, it's a difficult question and i think that ski classics is really good at promoting what they are doing and they have built a really strong uh, brand and um, and it's it's not so easy for the world cup skiers to just come and ski because they are so specialized the skiers in double polling so i think if we want want uh, our skiers if you can say that uh, the pro teams to be in the top you have to just keep on doing what we're doing uh, but if you want more world cup skiers if you want to be one big happy family maybe you should have some some skating races as well and i think for the for the people that watch television i think they they are um, as much and amused by seeing watching skating races as they are watching double polling so as long as you have some profiles i think the the television will be happy so but of course it's not so fun for the pro teams to to prepare for both double polling and and uh, and skating it's uh yeah. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. As Magnar Dahlen once said when I interviewed him, he said, you know, it's, it will create new set of problems, you know, you need to have more equipment and uh, kind of think about, the, you know, specializing in, in, in skating as well. And all kinds of things uh, could happen, you know, if if uh, if that yeah. be, uh, became a part of uh, Visma Ski Classics Pro Tour as well. But going back to uh, 2019, then after Engadin, Birke Benerenet, you won again there and uh must have been a good good race that was a you beat everybody by a huge margin there it was a great race once again for you yeah yeah it was a good good race high pace uh and we i remember we was um morton and seaman and me we were doing uh trying to keep the pace high and and uh, it was uh, uh only morton and me in in the end before Rövfjell and then I was skiing alone, I think, so it was a good day on the tracks. But then after that, uh, your then teammates Anders Nygård and I guess Öbi Muenfjeld uh, kind of convinced or persuaded you to do uh, the tiny little race, you know, <laughs> Red Bull Norden, Norden Schoslop, and then you did that race, the 200, 220k. That affected you a little bit. I mean, still, I raced a little bit after that, because raced a little bit was right after that, that yeah. race. Uh, you were able to be fifth. You were the only double polar there uh, yeah. uh, and still did. But after that, you well, pretty I much died, I guess. Uh, the, uh, I was, I think I was maybe quite tired, but the first uh, thing I did wrong was that I was driving the waxing car all the way to to Alta after Birken, and I started right away. I was driving all, the day, all until midnight, and I was starting on the early morning Sunday, and I was driving until late in the afternoon, and then. <laughs> 
the waxing car was uh, they lost <laughs> the wheel on the waxing car was suddenly coming past passing me. So uh, so I had to stop and uh, uh, and we had I, um, two hours before Alta I had to call my uh, my wife and ask if she could uh, pick me up. <laughs> so it was a, a long uh, two long days there. That was maybe not the best for the recovery and and then I was training maybe too much and I was also saying yes to to go the Nordenschalloppe that is it's a quite tough race <laughs> so uh, I was doing a lot of things not not the smartest things uh, after uh, Birken so I find there ingen not smartest things Wilken yeah, for the people uh, wondering, listening to this, this is something that comes from Peta's computer. We can't just do anything about it, but you guys get to enjoy a little bit of Norwegian uh, language there every once in a while. But yeah, you were saying about the, you know, the, the too many things happening uh, after Birka. Uh, I was not uh, listening to the, I, I should use my uh, common sense a little bit more and uh, take, slow down a little bit more, not train so much. And... Uh, yeah, not I. I shouldn't have skied the uh, Norden up. I think I should um, stay at home there. Even if it was really, uh, it was a good feeling to have uh, skied all the the Norden up for once, <laughs> at least. But uh, I was tired when I do, did the uh, the Norden So, but then I I did the Rietaloppe, then it was quite okay, but not the best shape. And then I was training, and then I got sick on the the last race. The morning I wake up with a, a sore throat, and I was not feeling well at all. So it was a really big disappointment to to ski the final race in in Levy, and not was able to to compete at my best. So I, I remember I was really disappointed after the season, and I was I was so tired, and I I'd been. I didn't train almost anything uh, the next two months, and I was still not feeling uh, well. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I I did too much, and um, and also the the big disappointment could uh, was was uh, maybe pushing me down. So um, yeah, that was uh, a tough uh, tough uh, finish of the season, but. Um, Still, it uh, was so, some uh, really good races. So, yeah, it just wears you out, you know. And also that Ulas Levy, you know, you were thirty thirty first, but before the race, it was you and Anigo neck and neck, you know, yeah. fighting for the you know the champion title. And then have a disappointment like that. I, I totally understand. You must even if it's a good season overall, you have some really great races there, as you said. But still. After that, you know, you must have felt like, oh, oh God, yeah, <laughs> it should have really, gone, it really, should have gone yeah, differently. Down, uh, <laughs> oh, I was not feeling well at all. And I was so disappointed at myself because I had done so much wrong decisions the last uh, the last part of the season. And I, I felt that I maybe I was just I should have uh, been able to win the, the yellow jersey that season. So it was really I felt that I was uh, missing the target in the end, really. So, but that's also sport. You uh, have some big, uh, big wins, and you have some big loss. <laughs> and then after that, we had a, a bit of a special year. Actually, two special years now due to the uh, you know the ongoing, the raging pandemic. Uh, twenty twenty started okay. And at that time, we didn't really know what's, what were to happen. Uh, and uh, 
you the individual prologue, uh, you were 11th there. Then La Venosta, uh, uh, second, La Diagonela. Well, we remember that race. You know, it's uh, you suddenly <laughs> just got this idea to do, uh, you know, to, do, to put some kick wax on. I mean, why? I mean, it, uh, it's I, not that difficult. The course isn't really that tough. <laughs> no, I, I think it had something to do with the Vasalopet, actually, because... I was uh, starting to doubt myself in in those heavy conditions, and I was thinking, okay, maybe I should try kickwax in Vasaloppe uh, because uh, Jürgen Brink has the record, and he was using kickwax, maybe, and I was using kickwax in Reistalop, and maybe that could be a smart plan. I could uh, be smarter than any anybody, <laughs> and I, but I had to try it in uh, in one race before first, so. But uh, I, I also had been sick before the, the race in Diagonelas. I, I was not so secure about my shape. I, I wanted to try. I had nothing to lose, I felt. And I just tried. And uh, it went well for maybe half the race. And then I was really tired. And uh, <laughs> it was not a success. So um, then I uh, decided that I w- wouldn't use any more kick wax that season. <laughs> Yeah, you were in a breakaway with uh, Chris Ander Jespersen, but as you said, you know, then towards the end, I mean, you pretty much died, you know. But as you said, you were you were sick before that, and but then you were uh, able to bounce back and recoup, you know. Machalonga third, Topla Cortina second, Isias Caparesatka third, but still no victory until Vasalopet, <laughs> and yeah. now finally, I yeah. mean, of course, you had the one one victory in 2015 but now finally five years later 2020 uh, you were able to able to do it again uh, uh, that was amazing uh, and it was uh, such a race uh, I remember that in the morning before you know, in, we were warming up in the first hill there and it was snow, so much snow in the tracks I was so uh, so frustrated i was telling the the other guys on the team what is this kind of race uh, we're preparing the whole year and and this is meeting us uh, the 20 centimeter with snow we could barely see the tracks under the snow so i was so uh, i was just going to the start and i was thinking that okay well just race i guess you this is the same as every year it's a lot of snow slow pace and you're struggling as <laughs> hard to to keep up with the the pack and and the first half was uh, almost like that uh, but it was a breakaway that was doing some that uh, played a role in the race and uh, and i remember we was coming to average spider and Andesh was a little bit stressed and he said uh, we need to 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 start to go a little bit faster to try to to reach the front group and uh, and him and I we were starting to to uh, take up the pace and we and and suddenly uh, just uh, every it was less and less gears that were uh, skiing with us and and uh, yeah that was. Uh, <laughs> A strange race, not uh, at all what I was ex- expecting. I was expecting the same as before with the mass sprint in the end and uh, slow all the way, but it was a totally different race. So it was uh, once again an unexpected uh, race and an unexpected win. I was not uh, expecting to win at all. So it was really fun. <laughs> 
and particularly in the way it happened because it was you and Stian Hurlgaard approaching the finish. And of course, everybody was kind of thinking, okay, now it's going to be Stian's. Finally, Stian's time. You know, he's been on the podium five times in a row. Finally, he's time to win. Uh, but somehow you conjured up this really fast and sprint. Uh, and, and I talked, I mean, Stian was our guest on the podcast as well. And and he said that, yeah, but you know, it's, it's different to sprint after, you know, like 90, 90K, you know, he was so tired. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 it was really, it was really slow conditions on the, in the the last uh, uh, kilometers, and I didn't feel so strong that uh, like in twenty fifteen when I could do the long sprint. But so I was saving some energy, but I I was not confident in the sprint at all. So, but uh, Stian was really nice to me, and he let uh, he took the took the lead in the the last kilometer, so I could uh, stay behind and uh, save some energy for the the last 100 meters <laughs> so I, I i really feel sorry for stian and i the one thing i regret after the race is that i didn't go uh, go to stian and try to cheer him up uh, right after because i could see how disappointment disappointed he was he was crying and uh, i was so happy i was uh, oh, uh, so but I, I I should have gone to him and uh, and cheer him up a little bit because uh, I, I I know I could understand why he was so disappointed. But still, he got some more uh, years to to try to win the Vasalope. Yeah, poor guy. I mean, he's still you know chasing that big you know victory. And yeah. and as I said uh, at that time, that was his fifth time on the podium yeah. at Vasalope, but still no victory. Yeah. But as I said, he's still trying, and he's, yeah. he's in a good team right now. Yeah. Now, but of course, at that time, you know, must have you know felt really good finally back there where where you needed to be. But then the season ended. And that was it. And then, and and then, it was a big shock to all of us. You know, everybody kind of changed. You know, you know their plans, and a lot of people, a lot of skiers, just uh, happened to do all kinds of you know crazy things, twenty four hours, and you know all these <laughs> these things because yeah. you guys had so much time in, on on your yeah, hand. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, we had some uh, record uh, attempts going on, and uh, and we skied a lot, and uh, I don't know. If I would do it again, I think I wouldn't, uh, because uh, there was so heavy snowfall uh, when <laughs> back home here, and I was skiing so much. But uh, of course, I I got in a good shape after the season, uh, but I, the the training became too much uh, in the summer and the fall. So should have taken a little uh, break after the season. <laughs> Indeed, because then this this winter twenty 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 one season eleven, uh, so that's again was a bit different. Uh, we all know what happened towards the end. Uh, once again, Birken, Reistan, Udlas Levi uh, were cancelled, but you guys had these replacement races, Volodals uh, Renet, and and uh, all these uh, races and so forth. But when you look at that, you know this. Uh, this past season, what do you want to say about that? It wasn't exactly what you uh, hoped for. No, not at all. It was really, really disappointing. Uh, I felt I had uh, trained so much and uh, <laughs> yeah, sacrificed so much, uh, I could say. So it was really, really disappointing uh, to, yeah, that I, the shape was not good and it was, I was yeah not not feeling good at all so um, 
but uh, I should take more easy in the summer and the fall and uh, should also train a totally different I was trying new new methods with uh, more strength training heavy strength training and I was also trying to to do a lot of high intensity intervals <clears throat> also in, uh, in running so that was totally not working uh, when I came came to the season and my shape was pretty okay in the summer and the fall but uh, that was uh, not not uh, so smart move. <laughs> yeah, you started pretty okay. I mean, La, Di- La Diagonale at third, uh, Topla Cortina sixth, tough race. You know, Ermil Pukwev was really strong there. Matalonga fifth, Iseska fourth was was a little bit again uh, a tough one, uh, uh, and the Bola uh twenty second year was a little bit thirty uh, seventh there. Uh, towards the end, did you kind of feel that now you're losing it a little bit? Your shape's kind of gone. Yeah, yeah. I felt um, when we was uh, the um, we was a lot in the altitude in um, in January and February, and uh, I maybe did too high intensity there, trying to get in better shape. And uh, but it was the opposite that happened. I felt uh, I was having lactate lactate in uh, in my legs. Uh, when I was just skiing slow, slow skiing, and uh, yeah, my body was not working. I had trouble with sleeping and everything. So, so um, it was not fun to race the last races. Uh, I, I should maybe do, uh, done like uh, Austria <laughs> did and uh, just. Uh, break the season and uh, not ski ski the last races but i was trying to to just yeah do finish out the season so yeah that was it <laughs> yeah was that the time when you have decided to um, just quit you know that that's it then well i think um that was uh, one of the big reasons yes but uh, also uh, we we had uh, I, I was uh, we were having a child uh, in uh, also in the the end of the season in February and um, uh, things went uh, it uh, on the uh, on the hospital it was maybe some complications on the hospital that made me think about uh, okay now you're training and you're traveling so much and it's not see you're not getting the results and um, maybe you should stay a little bit more home with your family and uh, and do this normal life uh, for a while and maybe not coming back to skiing uh, at all because um, yeah, that made me re- rethink uh, even stronger so i think uh, when we when i had the the was father for the the fourth child i was uh, re-evaluating my uh, yeah my lifestyle and uh, everything so then i landed on the conclusion that i uh, should be more home uh, with family and uh, and just yeah do the normal life <laughs> Yeah, the family always comes first, and that's something we're gonna uh, definitely gonna dis- discuss about a little bit. But next, I think we should go and talk about your training a little bit because now we're gonna go through your whole Visma Ski Classics career, all the highlights, and uh, uh, get a really good overview of of your career in Visma Ski Classics. But now let's uh, talk about your training philosophy or the kind of the methods that uh, made you so good. <laughs> 
So that's next for us. What kind of, a, I mean, in terms of skiing and training, so what kind of an athlete are you really when it comes to training? I mean, what philosophies do you believe in? Uh, you mentioned earlier that when you came back, you did a lot of endurance training, low intensity. Is that Has that always been kind of your your way of of doing things or achieving results? Well, I think uh, that has uh, been my maybe best way of uh, getting in shape. That that low intensity training, not not doing so much intervals. Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, to my uh, physiology and uh, I'm, I, it's best with the. Um, long slow distance training because uh i i have tried to have some more in high intensity but uh, it, it seems like the i often get sick or i get yeah not performing so well after a while so but i i all, all also have uh, believe in threshold training building uh step by step or stone by stone with threshold training uh but that i was not I if it one if it's one thing that I regret in in my career it's that I didn't build a better base uh, with the threshold training uh, year by year uh, with more consistency in the in the yeah the intervals there so I could be I I I think that is my uh, my big failure in my career so when you talk about threshold, uh, in this particular case, you are referring to the anaerobic threshold, the higher yeah. threshold. Yeah, like uh, three, three lactate with three uh, millimole, <laughs> uh, about that. But you also have a very high uh, VO2 max. So could that be also a reason that you didn't really feel the uh, the, uh, the need to do that much or that many uh, intensive sessions yeah. or tough intervals maybe maybe i think um i have um maybe qu quite high weight to max and maybe it's easy for me to push maybe a little bit too hard on the hard in the intervals <laughs> uh so um yeah i think um my weaknesses is is the the strength and the and the speed of course and um and also to have consistency in training because I used to get a lot, uh, have a lot of sickness and injuries in the past. So I think also therefore the the long, the slow, in, low intensity training is more easy to the body to to respond to. And uh, yeah, so if if I have the choice to not to train or to train, so it's better to train. <laughs> so yeah. So you're the what's your highest score in in, uh, in in VO2 max like 88? 88 or something, I think. Yeah. But uh, that's that's pretty good for a long distance skier. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, I, I I'm always a little bit doubting the the measures, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, I could uh, maybe go higher, but uh, I I. <laughs> I couldn't train better. I, I tried, but I couldn't. <laughs> I, I was not uh, the athlete that was able to train hard and much like uh, Teresa Juerg or Marit Bjergen. They, I never uh, been on that level on the training. 
I felt I always must must uh, be more cautious with hard training and the training volume. So, yeah, that's. Uh, that's so, can I'll... you give us some yeah some examples of 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 the uh, the sessions that you did? You know, of, of each one of them. I mean, what's like a typical endurance, then a uh, typical threshold, and then intervals. Of of course, they vary, but yeah. Um, well, I. Um... I got uh, when I started with the long distance skiing. I was skiing by the snowmobile tracks on the mountain uh, because yeah, that was quite good um, for the poles to yeah to not yeah hold and uh, and um, the the terrain was quite flat. So I think the that kind of training was really good. Uh, just going out, uh, go two hours in the snowmobile tracks and turn and go back the same the same tracks. Uh, then often I got a little bit um, uphills in the start and it was flat uh, in into the ma- mountains plateau and uh, then back it was flat and easy downhill in the end. So that was a typical uh, long distance workout for me maybe four hours double polling and uh, and the intervals like threshold I used to have about five or ten minutes uh, length on the on the intervals and I like 60 to 75 minutes uh, total uh, interval time and I try to be like two to three millimole in the lactate or yeah, not not too hard. Uh, that so, yeah, that was and two maybe one or two minute break between the intervals, and I can do some more uh, harder, uh, like five times five or or so on. But uh, I have not so good experience with that. Only maybe just one or one hard uh, interval before a race, uh, but not. I I never had like a good consistency in the hard interval training and say except from the last year I tried to have uh, like every week one uphill running interval and and also a hard double pulling interval in uphill uh, but in the end it was too tough for the yeah I think muscular uh, intensity was too high and uh, the re I uh, didn't recover uh, good enough, so. But uh, I think the it's really easy training. Uh, that that worked the best for me. You mentioned the threshold uh, training, but did you ever do like really long uh, threshold se- sessions that you skied for an hour, maybe even longer, and kept it kind of, but didn't go too fast, but fast enough that it's close to the. Yeah, know, the, the I, I did some. Of course, that, in the past I've done like. Um, warming up like 10-15 minutes and then just go one hour in quite easy terrain uh, with zone, like um, zone 2 or zone 3 uh, maybe have some uh, short sprints and uh, yeah and then go home like just one short uh, very effective uh, workout that I also have good experience with so uh, I remember Ariel Monsen, the, the the coach on the national team in Norway. He uh, he introduced this kind of a workout for me, and he called it the hunting in uh, easy terrain. 
Then what about roller skis? Did you uh, kind of copy the same? Did you do the same type of sessions on roller skis yeah. Yeah, as well? Yeah, I did that. So, and I also had on roller skis, I had a, a specific round here in Alta that was really, really good. It was a 15 minutes uh, round and uh, we did four, four times 15 minutes and it was in the start, it was really flat. And then it was one uphill in two, three minutes, and it was a new long flat, and then it was five, six minute uh, uphill. So, and then you can ski all the way down and start over again. So, I used that's one of the um, the best interval rounds that we have in Alta, and Andreas and me have skied it uh, quite a lot. So, um, yeah, that was really, really nice training. You guys actually train uh, together quite a lot. Yeah, we train a lot, uh, especially the first years. Um, when I and then maybe uh, the last years uh, we <laughs> we didn't uh, train so much together, uh, but still we we took some workouts. So um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> we have we have done a lot lot of uh, training together, for sure. It must have been good to have a, a sort of a sparring partner yeah, there really. you're both I, pretty much at the same level yeah, i think uh, when i came uh, into the ski classics then andreas was uh, had skied one season i think and he was a little bit more experienced and he was always really good in double polling and he was very into the sport and uh, yeah he, lo- he loves to talk about sport and uh, <laughs> athletes and results and everything so it was fun to train with Andreas. He always had something to say, and uh, he was talking all the way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a one happy guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy, of course, and and he's still still around, uh, trying to uh, you know. Of course, last season was tough for him as well, uh, for the obvious reasons, you know, the, the injury or the you know, the frostbite that he got. But he's back. He's back, and he'll yeah. uh, he'll do well come the uh, the new season. Uh, you mentioned uh, strength. Uh, training and uh, that being uh, kind of your weak side but what did you do in order to strengthen or fortify your your, your power uh, well I tried also there I tried the different uh, approaches and uh, I think the first year I had quite a good approach then uh, I used uh, some uh, personal trainer that put up some different programs for me that I followed it was uh, both easy um, uh, circuit training uh, with uh, only a, on the floor or easy no uh, no equipment and it was also with uh, regular strength training in the strength center uh, with all the regular workouts with the um, yeah to maximum strength and then I tried some more uh, like um, CrossFit inspired, but I think that was too heavy for me and also too long recovery. Uh, and the last season I tried uh, quite heavy training and long workouts, one to two hours training. But that was not uh, the best. That was also, I think, too long recovery. So um, yeah, I think that only have just short uh, short workouts like 20 30 minutes 40 minutes it's uh, enough and maybe one or two two times per week and uh, that 
yeah, it you shouldn't emphasize the strength training too much, I think. But still, it's really nice to be strong, and then you can handle the maybe training better because your uh, joints and everything are stronger. Uh, but it's easy that you start to train strength and you you be so you you want to improve and you your focus is maybe drifting a little bit towards getting stronger in the strength room not not to improve in the in the skiing tracks so yeah it's a easy trap to go in into <laughs> yes there are many traps uh, in in training and recovery seems to pop up all the time you you keep saying re- uh, recovery didn't have enough time re- to recover and so forth so it seems to me that uh, you as an athlete needed to recover well Uh, from your trainings uh, in order to kind of move on and sometimes you didn't and then results went what you ex- expected yeah i think you're uh, <laughs> you're right about that uh, that maybe that's why i maybe feel that i have to do things the, my own way <laughs> i'm not when i am in a group it's often difficult for me to i i often say yes and i i Yeah, just follow the program, and uh, when I uh, train on my own, it's more it's easier for me to yeah adjust and adapt adapt to my own uh, feelings and uh, feeling of recovery and everything. So I think that's uh, one key to me. I I don't have the best uh, ability to train hard, but I still if I train uh, on my own way, uh, it can work really well. So. That my that's my uh, life lesson that I have to do things my own way. <laughs> Indeed, and wasn't that a part of the problem? You know that this past season that you tried too much. I mean, in the winter time, you did too many intervals and things like that uh, instead of just kind of taking a step back and and yeah. and, and recovering a bit. And yeah, that's uh, I could be could be too intense and uh, to want want to achieve and want to to strive for uh, performance but uh, it's very very important to take a step back like you said and and uh, just uh, yeah recover and maybe think about other things and don't be so eager to always take take the next step because uh, then you can uh, suddenly you you are pushing your head against the wall <laughs> And then it's everything is difficult. <laughs> Indeed, I mean it's not that easy when you're like in the middle of everything and you're focused on on the upcoming races. And and now it's a bit different when you have time to reflect uh, upon you know the the mistakes you've done. Yes. Uh, it's uh, it's everybody does those you know all the time. They make they make mistakes all the yeah. time. But uh, I think we're gonna move on to the last part of the uh, the podcast, which is about the, you know the family. I can hear the the kids are in, in the background uh, yes. playing, so that'll that'll be next for us to talk about. So, Peter, you mentioned earlier that family, it is really important to you. It's important to everyone, of course, uh, but that was one of the reasons that you decided to leave skiing behind and you quit your skiing career and uh, now you are working full time. And uh, tell us about your family a little bit. I mean, you just mentioned that you got a, that you and your wife, you got a new kid there, new baby. And, uh, but just tell more, tell us more about Peter Elias's uh, family. 
Yeah, uh, uh, four four kids, uh, three girls and one boy. And uh, the oldest one is eleven years old, and she, yeah, she's skiing and footballing and dancing. <laughs> and uh, my son is also skiing and uh, playing uh, handball and football. So, um, yeah, try to be a coach in. Uh, uh, for uh, the ski club and uh, help out there and um, yeah, uh, try to do <laughs> do this uh, family life. May, uh, try to to get it as smooth smooth as possible, but it's uh, it can be some uh, some uh, challenges <laughs> along the way. So uh, there's always challenges, you know, when, when we talk about a family. But uh, do you want your kids to be elites athletes as well, or? Um, I I say to them that uh, you you must uh, certainly not be a, uh, try to be a skier because I want it. Uh, do it if you want, and I have to warn them about uh, the being a professional skier. You have to sacrifice a lot and. Uh, uh, you, um, I think it. I want them to ski maybe, <laughs> so they can be uh, enjoying skiing for the rest of their life. But it's not uh, important uh, to me that they become professional skiers at all. Uh, I think uh, that's a yeah, tough decision uh, that they have to make on on their own. So uh, I hope that. Uh, <laughs> That they they decide by themselves and uh, that they are not not uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry the the yeah, it's all right. one of my daughters they they come here. And they wanna they wanna play. How they wanna play? <laughs> okay, well uh, we're. Uh, we try to give them uh, the the feeling of uh, ski ha- happiness and uh, enjoying skiing, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, difficult to say if they will want to ski uh, so for many years. Uh, but uh, we contribute in the ski club and uh, yeah, try to give them uh, so make a good experience at least. And then, what about your wife? How did you guys meet? Well, we we meet in the tracks, uh, I can say, and uh, we. Uh, she was a professional or semi-professional skier, and um, and uh, she was uh, doing uh, some World Cup in sprint, and uh, we we meet, and uh, yeah, we uh, we came along well, and uh, we uh, and we moved together in uh, Trondheim, and uh, we lived there for some years, and then we moved up here to Alta, where she she her family is from Alta, and um, yeah, so she also uh, enjoys to to take some skiing, and uh, yeah, so that's been really she she have been really supportive to me uh, all along the the my career, and uh, and uh, she knows. Uh, she has some good uh, advice, so but it's not always that I am following them. <laughs> what what's her name? Sigrid Os. And uh, uh, you mentioned you guys lived in uh, uh, Trondheim. They moved to Alta, but but, uh, but what kind of place is Alta to live compared I, to Trondheim? Small for town, uh, twenty thousand inhabitants, and um, it's cold. Uh, it's uh, 
Yeah, it's four four hours uh, north from Levy, <laughs> I guess. So it's quite uh, long, nor far north, and um, yeah, it, uh, it's uh, nice, uh, close to nature, and uh, a lot of people here they like to drive snowmobile and uh, fish on the ice or fish in the river, and uh, they do. Is that what you do as well? Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, uh, in the. Uh, my family or her family there are not uh, so f uh, fond of uh, snowmobile <laughs> they, they are using only skis so um, but i i like to be in the nature and uh, and uh, so i i like um, up here in north it's uh, it's really nice so what do you what do you guys do together as as a family uh, you mentioned that you like outdoors, so do you just go out and do some activities, or how do you spend your time when you're not working or skiing? Yeah, well, we, we in the weekends we try to, if we have time, to take uh, take them out and uh, go for a walk and uh, maybe take uh, lit up a fire and and uh, yeah, and we also uh, we um, we have a, a cabin. Uh, uh, one hour uh, south from here and we have done some uh, renovation there and we so there we can be in uh, be in the mountains or be by the um, by the fjord and fish and uh, yeah do different activities outdoor so yeah we we like to be outside if we we if we have the possibility so since you are a devoted father and you like kids and uh, children so much uh, how were you Back in the day, when you were a kid, what kind of a child were you? I think I was uh, <laughs> maybe uh, quite. Uh, uh, I was uh, uh, easy going <laughs> kid. <laughs> not uh, not so. Um, not a troublemaker. Not a troublemaker. No, I was. Yeah. I like to be outside and uh, played a lot of football. And in the winter, I was doing a lot of. Everything, uh, skating, uh, ice, and uh, snowboard, and uh, just being outside. So I like to be in activity, uh, but not uh, not doing anything special. <laughs> I was a normal kid, I think, but I, I used to ski a lot. So that was maybe that the thing that was um, uh, making me a little bit special from the maybe the rest of of the class or the. Yeah, the other kids that I like skiing so much. So that yet yeah, that started early on. Yeah, skiing, I, I think mean. so. From maybe I skied from uh, the first trip when I was three years old. Then I skied uh, to a cabin in uh, in Trondheim that was three kilometers each way. So um, uh, at least that what what I heard. But uh, so that was my first experience, and uh, my parents were always uh, really. Uh, supportive and they they uh, took me out there my and my siblings also in the in the mountains uh, every weekend and we have done a lot of uh, hikings and so on. yeah so so what did what did your parents do uh, they in are, terms of a profession no they are in healthcare <laughs> yeah so uh, my my father is a dentist and my mother is a nurse but yeah she's working on a school so 
And what about what your wife, by the way? Uh, she is what does uh, she do? Uh, actually a journalist, for, uh, but uh, she's working as a teacher, uh, English teacher. <laughs> you shouldn't believe when you hear me, hear me talk. But <laughs> no, you speak pretty well, but I'm, I'm happy to hear, you know, that she's uh, me too. I'm an English teacher as well. So Are you an English <laughs> yes, teacher? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, well, yeah. Besides all these work, you know, things that I do, I'm an also English teacher. Oh, so, nice. uh, yeah, but happy to hear that. Oh. <laughs> so, and, and which is a good segue for us to talk about school you know and your school days uh i mean what kind of a student pupil were you really did you like school well i was quite uh, quite motivated for school uh, where i at least i did my homework and uh did okay on school and i was uh i was actually aiming for for medicine studies but um it was a little uh, little too high uh, uh the the notes were not so good uh, for uh, the medicine study in, in Trondheim, but um, so I I did a physiotherapy study there and also some sports study and uh, and uh, also now I I have um, take some uh, classes in sports uh, science uh, on the university so I like to to study and uh, I think it's um, yeah, nice to get some new input <laughs> if I can. Do you like your job? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if. But I'll... you're still studying, so you yeah, still want to so achieve yeah, something you else. Can, uh, <laughs> calculate yourself, but uh, I I think it's um, to be uh, in healthcare. It's uh, really um, a lot of uh, nice people to work with. And uh, the patients are really appreciating that you are trying to help them. So it's a meaningful job. But, but uh, of course, uh, I have some uh, interest in sport. And uh, maybe I, so I also like to... I, I want to, to take some, some sport studies. Uh, so maybe I can work uh, also in... Uh, uh, maybe in the university, uh, being a teacher in, uh, in sports... Uh, science or something i will i'm, I'm not uh, i have not decided yet what, what i want to be doing for the rest of my life but uh, at the moment uh, it's working well with the with the job i have now so we'll see have you ever thought about coaching for example yeah i have thought about coaching uh, for sure but uh, here in alta it's difficult to you cannot have a full-time job uh, as a coach but um uh, yeah, and it's it, it's also the the traveling <laughs> once again. Uh, if you want to be a national co or more, uh, re, uh, yeah, you know, traveling with the with all the races and so on. So, uh, but uh, to be a coach, I think uh, will be a nice job to have, so uh, that I could help other athletes uh, to reach their goals and use my experience. That will for sure be. Uh, be something I I could uh, do in the future. Yeah, and of course, in this day and age, you know, the remote coaching is also an opportunity. I mean, the digital coaching that's kind of yeah. uh, coming coming about, happening quite fast, and and there will be all kinds of already are many platforms and things like that to do that. So yeah. that could be a way to go for you as well. Yeah, eventually. Sure. Yeah. We'll see. So. Uh, we are now getting uh, close to the the end of the program. When you look back, what are the things that you missed the most? You know, from your skiing career, went through all those great races of yours. Uh, but now, when you look back, 
we feel the racing uh, racing uh, uh, side, but what else is something that you still miss? Yeah, outside the racing, I think um, yeah, to to be uh, to be a part of a good group that that's uh, that you travel around with. Uh, when when the group is working well, it's really really uh, nice. Uh, so I, I have re- a lot of good memories from from all the years that I felt that I've been in a in a really good uh, team. So uh, when you got the the right team spirit, that's something that I miss. <laughs> um, also, then uh, the the long uh, the days that you can be outside, of course, when the long session workouts uh, in the mountains that that, that is not uh, something i can do so much now so uh, i also miss that a lot and um, yeah uh, to have um, to be the your own uh, decide your own days and be creative uh, that you can working like a is like project uh, based working i think to be a athlete so yeah that's uh, something that i also like so what about the winning feeling? Do you miss that? You know, the kind of no. when you finally achieve yeah. the big goal of yours. Yeah, uh, uh, of course. The the you get uh, like a, a kick, or uh, you you can really the the feeling of winning a big race, or be on be fighting for a for the victory in a big race that that excitement and the, the that feeling that nerve uh, ner- you be so nervous and you yeah it's not so easy to recreate that feeling maybe in uh, elsewhere but uh, the feeling uh, of performing and uh, that's that's a nice feeling and as a last thing i mean you you're sort of coming back, you do a much longer and maybe some other races too, but what are you expecting, you know, now kind of now looking, uh, looking uh, from outside, you know, uh, what are you expecting this, this upcoming season to be? And also particularly for your former teammates, uh, what are you expecting from them? Or what do you want to say to them uh, now when you have a little bit of a distance? Um, well, I, I uh, I'm really, uh, curious about this season uh, how the interest I think it's um, now that uh, the national broadcasting is not uh, broadcasting so much of the the World Cup and uh, and the other winter sports uh, maybe the interest and the, the focus will go up and that could be positive for long distance skiing so I, I, I'm positive for the future and then the next coming years at least um, and um, yeah to see if if any new profiles will will uh, will ski and uh, how how soon we will uh, do in the in the circuit uh, yeah for my teammates i hope they they can find the the right uh, yeah the feeling of uh, performing and uh, that they are um, yeah can be uh, calm and uh, <laughs> and perform at their best. Uh, I know some of the guys there tend to be uh, maybe a little bit uh, over and uh, they struggle with some nervosity and uh, and uh, they not always get the best out of themselves in the competition. So I hope some of the guys will uh, 
be as good as they are on on training also in uh, competition so that will be that will be exciting to see indeed and let's hope that they they will find that in a calm in a calmness and and do uh, well come the new season and of course Bisma Ski Classics and long distance skiing uh, facing a really a great future I, I strongly agree with you uh, we are heading towards a bright future there but thank you very much Peter Elias and it's been a, it's an really ple- uh, been a pleasure to uh, to talk with you a long podcast but it's so nice to talk to talk to you and and to go through your career and and uh, hope you all the best with your family and of course you know all the best with Matjalonga when you come back it'll be nice to see you there yeah. thank you so much Thank you, Timo. See you. And you people out there uh, listening, stay tuned for more episodes to come, of course. And we are getting close to uh, the season premiere in Usha, Sweden. And if you have any questions, any uh, requests, feedback, anything like that, please send us an email and that. Uh, address is podcast at wsportsmedia.com once again podcast at wsportsmedia for now I'll just say goodbye and stay tuned for more exciting episodes to come bye bye this podcast is a wsportsmedia production